0: This thing about someone beating on the brat. Hey, oh, let's
1: go. oh, let's
0: go. oh, let's go. oh, let's
1: go.
2: What? Beating oh. on a what?
0: The brat. Beat on the brat. What? Now they might be talking about Judy. You know, Judy, she's a punk, right?
2: Yes, she is a punk.
0: I don't want what she got. She got shock treatment. Don't want it But I might want to go and snip some glue You?
2: No thank you
0: You know The lack of glue Got a Sheena She's a punk rocker you know
2: I know she's a punk rocker. Cute little punk rocker.
0: Oh, we're dancing like we're in the pit at CBGB's. We're just kind of moving around the whole thing. And yes, 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 we're finally doing an episode about the fucking Ramones.
2: (laughs) It's going to be a quickie, too.
0: (laughs) Just like their catalog. The album's average 29 to 31 minutes. Bing, 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 boom.
2: When I saw them live a couple of times, they did 24 songs in under an hour, so.
0: I believe that. Yeah, because there's a couple of long ones, you know, three and a half.
2: Yeah, but most of them were under two
0: amazing i found myself listening through and there are songs i'm like oh that's that song like pinhead i'd yeah. forgotten that one but i remember the bit
2: yeah a lot of their songs seem to take on a lot of uh themes that are related to issues that most kids have when they're younger amongst their peers like being called a pinhead or a geek or a nerd right. and there's a lot kind of, that of the craziness. nexus of
0: punk right
2: yes totally
0: These crazy guys got it in their head that they were going to form a band, even though they couldn't really play. And the one thing they knew is that the band was going to be called the Ramones. It's the most unkempt band of brothers, if you want to call it that. And everybody changing their name to Ramone. Shall we run through the family tree?
2: We shall.
0: The original four, Joey Ramone, born Jeffrey Ross Hyman. But Joey came out of that. He was a singer. He was a mouthpiece. He was a mess and a genuine punk rock icon. Can you tell we're both tourists? The next brother in line is John William Cummings. So he became John or Johnny Ramone. Hey, Johnny Ramone. Inducted with the rest of his brothers in 2002 into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hey, somebody's got to play the bass. Dee Dee, play the bass. Dee Dee Ramone, born Douglas Glenn Colvin, bass player. The Ramones. And when you listen to those early Ramones recordings on the drums, Tommy Ramone, he was the first one to hit the exit button, becoming an influential producer on his own, using his real name, Thomas
2: Erdely. He was born in Budapest to Jewish parents who left after surviving the Holocaust and ended up in America. He also in the early foundation days of the Ramones was their manager because Joey was taking on the drums at first, but Joey couldn't sing and play drums the way they wanted to. Or and so walk and chew gum. Yes. Okay. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was that coordinated. But Thomas was producing them and so he started playing the drums to show the future drummer how to do it, but then he could do with the best, so he ended up staying with them on the first album until they ended up meeting Marky
0: Ramone. Basically, as Tommy put it, finally, I had to sit down behind the drums because nobody else wanted to. You mentioned the other brother... Marky e. Ramon, Mark Bell, who's been mentioned a couple times in our episodes on the podcast.
2: He's like 15 years younger than the other brothers after a night of passion between the parents oh. and was an accident. Like, <laughs> whoops.
0: Oh, could have been a love child. Anyway,
2: <laughs>
0: he takes a nice long ride, active till present day as a representative of the legacy. He's the only one of the original five still with us. Mark Bell, he was in the band Dust with Kenny Aronson. That's how we first started talking about it with Kenny.
2: Yeah, he had some great stories about Marky in the early days. And you should check out our old conversation from the early days of the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll with Kenny Aronson. Because it does touch on the early days of the Ramones and Kiss and some of the other bands in that area that all had an impact. A fun conversation long, too.
0: The changing drummer's seat switches out, and Richard Reinhardt, a.k.a. Richie Ramone, joins the band. Now, he didn't play on Subterranean Jungle, but he's in the videos for it, and he was on that tour, and that's the beginning of his time working with the Ramone.
2: Next on tap is the drummer that arose from the
0: dead. A long-lost drummer brother from a blonder mother, Elvis Elvis Ramon. Ramon. (laughs)
1: Elvis. When I look out into your eyes out there, when I look out into your faces, you know what I see? I see a little bit of Elvis in each and every one of you out there. Let me tell you, when...
0: Oh, don't let me forget C.J., C.J. Ramon, the uh, current drummer of record, if that is uh, a position.
2: Is he the current drummer if Marky Ramon is still alive doing the Ramon thing, or do we have a drummer conflict and must do a Ramon drum-off?
0: I think we have to do that. Yes, whatever which one you said is right, we're doing that, I think.
2: (laughs) Let's
0: set it up. Tell Varvados we're coming in for a special thing in the back in the men's
2: section. (laughs) Set up the drum kit.
0: Oh, man. I'll tell you what. These guys provided more fun and more energy and more ability to blow off energy for more people. And just really more than you can imagine as far as their impact in people's lives, because they came along at the right time. The end of the century. Let's kick some ass. Right. One, two, three. Let's go. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like pure energy. You know, we've been having some fun about, you know, the Ramones and their names and all that. But, you know, getting together and staying together as a band is no joke. And they have their story.
2: And it wasn't an easy road. There was a lot of uh, tension amongst members of the Ramones. But at the end of the day, they were able to put all that tension and discourse aside to make albums and to continually tour. Like they toured for 22 years straight playing some crazy number of shows, like 2000 and something shows in 22 years, like 2,200 concerts. Wow.
0: Why don't you tell us about your experience seeing Ramon since I didn't get to experience that.
2: I got to see the Ramones twice. When I first went to American University in the mid-80s, they played the Student Union Cafeteria, which I also oh. saw Weird Al that year. It was right after Marky left the band, and I think it was CJ who joined the band at that point. And it was crazy because tables and chairs started flying in the lounge area, and people were going nuts. Which, and when
0: was this, approximately?
2: 85, like, 86. Cool. And, and when? What was the
0: other time you saw him?
2: It was like in the late 80s, early 90s when they did the Escape from New York tour with the Tom Tom Uh Club and Blondie. And that was a great show. I saw him at Fiddler's Green in Colorado. Was Elvis
0: Ramon on drums that night? (laughs) Because he was in the
2: house. You know, he might have been the drummer that night. I'd have to actually Uh look that up. That's something for the research department. And we'll answer that question in a future Bent News. The neighborhood of Queens, Forest Hills, is where these cats are all from from different backgrounds, but but they all had something in common. They didn't want to play by the rules. They wanted to do things their way, and they were all in bands like... John and Thomas were in a band called the Tangerine Puppets. And Doug and Colvin. Joey was
0: in this band Sniper I was reading yep. about. Yeah, like glam rock. Before there was punk, I guess you had to do something with your energy. You put it into glam rock.
2: And Doug Colvin, Dee Dee, had just moved to the neighborhood from Germany, so.
0: there's an the X Factor.
2: Yeah, no kidding. And they ended up all kind of. Meshing together, Colvin was the one who first suggested that they take the name Ramones because it was the pseudonym that Paul McCartney used during the Silver Beetle days, and... What was it? Paul Ramone, without oh. any. E.
0: Cool.
2: So yeah, they so that's where the...
0: really where it came from. It's not just some legendary made up thing. It's real.
2: Yeah, it's totally real. And then they started playing and practicing, and originally Dee Dee was the singer and realized he couldn't sing and play bass simultaneously.
0: And Joey couldn't play drums and sing simultaneously.
2: So they needed Thomas to come in and step in on drums because he could play drums, and Joey moved up front to sing. So it was kind of a mess at first. Everybody moving around to figure out where they would be best in the band. The one constant, though, if you think about it, was Johnny on guitar. He always stayed on that guitar. So Him and
0: Joey were the energy constant there. I know what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. It was a duality. And listening through everything this week... I'm reminded that Joey's voice naturally provides a lot of the melody inside the din that is the Ramones. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to that and hearing that, you're getting the feel for the whole thing. You know what I think? They all had their Ramones names, and I I really think that we should, you know, now that we're knee-deep into this episode, we should have (laughs) our own Ramones names. And, you know, it was after Paul McCartney who did Paul Ramon, right? Mm -hmm. So we can't do that. And uh, there was a John, Johnny, Johnny Ramon. Yeah. And uh, I think you should be Ringo Ramon. How's that?
2: I'm cool with Ringo Ramon. All right, am Ringo Ramon. All right, Ringo
0: Ramon. Okay, got it.
2: Then are you going to be George Ramon?
0: Well, it has to be, like, you know, in rhythm. Like, it would be Georgie Ramon.
2: Or Georgie Ramon.
0: He's already a Wilbur. Come on, oh, true. Man. My
2: bad. My bad. Then I guess then.
0: Oh, I got I got, I got Hilly Ramon. Hilly Crystal is the owner of CBGBs, and it doesn't happen without him, right? So I'll be Hilly Ramon in this episode.
2: Sounds good, Hilly. This is hilarious. Um, well, you know,
0: he's starting off at CBGBs, and they're kind of in there begging Hilly to, you know, give us a gig, man, let us play. And he was really good about that, right? I mean, it was still Hilly's. He was just getting ready to become CBGB, which we all call CBGBs because yeah. the blues at the end, I found out from uh, somebody who used to go there all the time. Said, yeah, it's the blues at the end that makes it CBGBs. Uh <laughs> But they wanted to play, and they were one of the bands that he kind of gave a chance to them in television and a few others. Patty Smith showed up. They're all starting to become, you know, regulars there, and that's when the stage starts to get all graffitied, because you look at the pictures of the early days, and when the Ramones first played there, and the walls are, like, clean, man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How long that lasted?
2: I don't know either, but I know that their first gig at CBGB's was August 16th of 1974. They had only been around for a couple of months. They're first live gig before that was at a performance studios on March 30th. And the songs they played were like fast, short, clocked in most of them under two minutes. Here's the wild part. At that very debut CBGB's gig, Legs McNeil, who co-founded Punk Magazine a year later, described the impact of that performance on him. He said that these cats were wearing black leather jackets and they counted off this song and it was just this wall of noise. They looked so striking. These guys were not hippies, this was something completely new. And after that performance, they became a favorite and played regularly at the club. I think they did 74 shows by the end of that year and 74 right there at the club. And here's the wild thing is those early shows averaged about 17 minutes from beginning to end.
0: But You're doing three sets tonight. You know, that's 45 <laughs> minutes plus. you can play almost an
2: hour. Three sets. <laughs> but I think their sets peaked at like 25 Four
0: minutes. <laughs> Two minutes a song. And yeah, 12 songs they're done. Yeah. Sure. It's just crazy, too, because they had, like, the shortest gaps between songs. Last chord, for next chord, you know? Yep. And that's the way they played. I wish I could have seen them, and I'm glad you got to see them a couple times. Me, too. It's one of those things that does fuel your punk rock heart, I am certain, so.
2: Oh, there's no doubt about it, and their lyrics were definitely... Different than a lot of the hardcore bands that followed them into the early 80s when I was really gearing up into the punk movement as a teen. But they were still singing about a a kind of discontent and standing up to the system. And it was wild. And then, you know, seeing Rock and Roll High School. Holy cow. I remember seeing that at like 15 years old. Yeah, it was in the early days of cable. I think I saw it on USA cable in the early days.
0: I think I saw it at the TLA. Oh, when it was new? Yeah.
2: That's sweet.
0: Well, that's the way you did stuff then. You had to go watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you did if you liked the Ramones in those yep. days. And even though I wasn't at that point even a fan of Phil Spector and his work, some of the things that were controversial in his work, let's just say that like what he did with the Ramones. He kind of gave them a bigger than life sound mm-hmm. and really helped them for that movie. It's that whole period, and you know, just a, a great band and. The way that they came together and rode together and interchanged parts along the way is pretty amazing when you think about it. When all the other punk bands had crashed and burned or were kind of at a diminished lower level, they just kept going, man. Like over and over, different albums, a couple big songs at least off of every one of them, just going every year, every tour. And that's why I think they are in that special place you're talking about. And I think that's why they are our answer to everything of what punk rock needed to get a kick in the nuts, to get it going when they came along. Definitely. Wow, I'm thirsty, dude. I know. Want to take a break?
2: Yeah, that was a quick slam, dude. <laughs>
0: Really, man, I'm a little sweaty under the pits, too. I might need a change of
2: shirts. (laughs) Thank
0: goodness they've got great T-shirts at Crooked Eye Brewery. We'll stop in, get a pint, change up the shirts. We'll get some fresh socks from Boldfoot, and we go with more on the Ramones.
2: Next on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll.
0: It's fall, and I know, Marcus, that you've got a ton of anecdotal stories about your feet. And riding and running and all that stuff that you do in the fall. And I know boldfoot socks are part of your regiment, right?
2: Absolutely, they wick moisture off your feet and keep them dry. I do wear the Boldfoot socks when I bike, and never ever have I had swampy feet. And I've ridden on almost a hundred degree heat index day, and my feet weren't swampy. So yeah, I really like what they do. And another bonus is they're American made.
0: Boldfoot Socks is a company that uh Josh got into because he did a hundred K thing. Where, who could man, who has time for that? Man, he's amazing. So he goes and does his hundred K in these Boldfoot Socks and the socks perform so well he believes and he's right that these socks are really going to revolutionize footwear for people who work out and ride, especially uh, someone like you who rides a lot on their their bike. And
2: let's not forget, Josh did that, like, 100-mile run in the Nevada desert. That is gnarly and tough. And he donates portions of his sales to military charities, which is awesome.
0: So go check out their amazing variety of colors and styles, great socks, and you can find them all at BoldFoot.com. Thanks to them for their support of the podcast. As always,
2: Boldfoot Socks, American grown, American sewn.
0: So much has been happening this year and changing at Crooked Eye Brewery, our sponsor for a long time now, Marcus. Since 2014, they've been pouring the cure for what ails you, but then they added craft cocktails, then they added ciders, and recently they opened the Crooked Eye Kitchen and Salty Vets Barbecue being served at the premises. You used to have to bring something with you, not just bring your appetite.
2: The long-term business plan of Crooked Eye has been very smart. Whatever they were going to do before the pandemic had to change drastically, and they've made the adjustments. And as we've slowly opened up, they've slowly continued to add and add and create more and it's much to the delight of the people going in there all the time because like you've said every night's a party a different kind of party over at circuit eye it's a random party what
0: the music is like the blues jam or the second tuesday of the month with my vinyl night which is anything you want it to be The Crooked Eye Band and all the other performers who make it fun, Mafia, all performing. Check it all out. And the way to find out about who's playing when is on their Facebook. That's really the best way to keep up, but the website too, I guess.
2: So if you're looking for a place to go, make a plan, grab a friend, meet at Crooked Eye in the heart of Hatboro, serving you since 2014. Ray, you ready to jump back into the pit and continue talking about the Ramones? We still have a lot to discuss in a very quick amount of time.
0: I guess it's good that their average length of their albums is like 30 minutes because then we can get them all in in just a little time. And guess what? And everybody's going to need a little rest and a pint, I think, after we're done pogoing our way through this stretch of rock and roll highway.
2: And so in 74, 75, they're playing all over the city, mostly at CBGBs. Sire A&R man Craig Leon saw them play And he actually brought them to the attention of the label Seymour Stein ended up signing them His wife saw them play at a place called Mother's And was impressed Eventually she ended up managing them alongside Danny Fields So all this crazy stuff was happening And don't forget Hilly at this time Chose to invest in the Dead Boys And not the Ramones And a lot of that is why this happened the way it did for the Ramones. Hilly chose poorly at that time.
0: You sound like the old knight in that Indiana Jones movie. (laughs) (laughs) The grill.
2: Choose wisely, Indy. He
0: chose poorly. (laughs) It's true. I love the Dead Boys, what they brought to Mm -hmm. the scene, what they meant to music, but they never caught on the way that the ramones did and so the investment certainly would have been better in the ramones but how do you know when you're in the middle of it all if you're making the right
2: move when the ramones are commanding that big of a crowd at your club and playing that many nights on a regular basis and just filling the house how do you go against that
0: i don't know can we talk about the music
2: Yes, we should talk about the music. They have a lot because of because that's what music. got
0: me, man. And I didn't realize, and all the cajoling at CBS and everywhere else, all leads around to April twenty third, nineteen seventy six, and the debut self titled album by the Ramones
2: this album is so good and this album had a huge impact on me and many other youth at that time as well just the speed of the music and the bouncy beat really caught our attention it wasn't
0: the precision of the playing because it was the vibe and really I said it before Joey's voice pulling it all together and giving you something to get behind and go with like all the songs here on the first album there's 14 of them at 29 minutes and 4 seconds does this underline my theme on the podcast about this all shorties except for one song that goes to like two minutes and 20 seconds it's crazy like that and it's just great songs right to the point everybody knows blitzkrieg bop it's one of the most popular songs right Aye.
2: one that still gets a lot of radio play everywhere today, and it gets played at sporting events and other places, so yes, you hear Blitzkrieg bop a lot, even on mainstream radio.
0: Yeah, but don't people realize that Beat on the Brat is a better song? Beat on the Brat, Beat on the Brat,
1: Beat on the Brat with the baseball bat, oh yeah!
0: Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting subjective here.
2: Yes, you are getting subjective. I Want to Be Your Boyfriend, which was the second single, is another really great song on the record. And that totally has their doo-wop influence feel to it.
1: Hey, little girl, I want to be your boyfriend. Sweet little girl, I want to be your
0: boyfriend.
2: Now I want to sniff some glue, which... Uh, to this the- is
0: explaining my early rant in the episode that one and i don't want to go down to the basement those two songs and you look at how all that first side comes together the way that this, the songwriting's being done they're all giving credit to the ramones but the guys are working together or individually mm-hmm. and it's all leading to this i don't know like a singularity even though it's kind of jagged and you flip it over because that's what we did when you got records in those days and I would say their cover of uh, Chris Montez's version of Let's Dance, the Jim Lee song, might be the best song made on side two.
2: You think it's better than Havana Affair, which was the B-side on the singles? Because Havana Affair is pretty good and pretty funny, too.
0: It is. And 53rd and 3rd, I get it. It's all good. It's not like any of it's bad. It's all good. It's the Ramones, and their debut album is just brilliant. And it sets the tone for what they're going to be, man.
2: Truly. And with songs like you mentioned, 53rd and 3rd, this is a New York feel all the way. You can feel the griminess of the city in this album as well.
0: Yeah, don't get any on your shoes.
2: (laughs) Don't touch the (laughs) rails either. (laughs) And in those
0: days, the bathroom in CBGBs wasn't so bad that you couldn't, you know, take a good healthy piss in it. Well, they keep rolling and they keep sniffing glue in the basement and they get around to making the second record, which is ironic because it's called Leave Home. (laughs) And I think they never do. Right. They just (laughs) love New York so much. They just want to stay here forever. Now they're all ready to put the record out. Nobody thought about a title on the album called Corbana, not glue, which, you know, I guess is like a statement. If you're in the glue snipping community, (laughs) nobody thought that maybe the folks from Carbona brand glue may not want to be associated with the Ramones and what they were saying in the song, especially, I guess, right? So a decision was made to switch it out. There was a short run of albums that had Carbona not glue on it, and then the rest were switched out with a song which has become legendary. We got Sheena is a punk rocker inserted there, and that makes that song in some ways moved it up to an important song earlier in the Ramones career than it might have been if it was on the next.
2: Some of the songs that we used to play a lot and put on our mixtapes included Gimme Gimme Shock Treatment, Pinhead, we thought was really funny, Commando, because we always thought the term Commando meant going with no underwear, so it does we always it? had a Is laugh. Is that what it means? That's what I thought it meant, so we laughed at that one hardcore, just because we were teenagers and it was right. dorky, and we were pinheads.
0: <laughs> My sophomore self still laughs about the idea that I call the new Washington football team name the Commandos. Yeah. And every time I think of it, I think of them all sans shorts. Put it that way. (laughs) Hey, you know what happens in 1977? Lots of shit. But November 4th. They put out Rocket to Russia and everything changes in my mind for the Ramones
2: right there. This album is the album that I think really hit the youth hard. I know my generation and my generation of friends whose older brothers Mine and too, sister. Buddy. Yeah, I mean, but relating directly, I mean, we heard this stuff from our older brothers, sisters and babysitters because we were still young. And like, we
0: were your older brothers and sisters sisters Bingo. And babysitters and hey. we were amazed by it too you're hearing it like from other people we were the ones out there we we, we heard this stuff and went wow this is yeah. really stronger than what they've already been doing which we already love
2: and like teenage lobotomy just hit us so hard their cover of Surf and bird is really awesome sheena's a punk rockers on that album rockaway beach cretin hop we used to laugh at like that song and just like dance around like <laughs> monsters and bop around like <laughs> monsters because that's what kids do and it was really really Fun dancing to this stuff with your friends and being silly, and then, of course, like the uh, Needles and Pins cover, which uh, showed up on a later version of the album.
1: I saw her-
2: They just really moved us a lot because they made us move.
0: Yep, they did, and they still do. And, you know, if anybody thought, well, they've blown their load, this is it for the Ramones, along comes Road to Ruin, and those people had to eat their words, you know?
2: True. Maybe their biggest hit ever came from that album. Maybe.
0: (laughs) Maybe. Maybe, yeah.
2: Maybe, definitely.
0: I'm not sure which way it is, but it's one of those. they also had that version of Needles and Pins on the original release. And the rest of it is Tasty Ramones, really.
2: And they do a good job capturing... Teen angst and the problems and the issues that we all go through. It's almost like they kind of never left high school in some ways with their songwriting, or they never left that era because a lot of those songs are so relatable to that younger crowd of that time period. And
0: at the helm, you've got Tommy Ramone and Ed Stasium working together. And we got to get Ed on the podcast sometime. If any of our listeners know Ed, i mean i follow him on facebook but you know i'm one of a million people there Mm -hmm. i would love to have him on he was in the middle of so many amazing things including this album they keep the role going that's a good way to look at it.
2: It's a great way to look at it. And Ed Stasium also was a producer for the Living Color Records.
0: Shit. Yeah, he was. So, and a million other things. Yep. So then we come around to the end of the decade, but they go to work with Phil Spector. The drama says it's the end of the century.
2: <laughs> put you
0: ahead of everything, right? To put you ahead of the times, right?
2: Way ahead of the times.
0: Uh, well, first off, Tommy left. And he wasn't involved in the album. And, you know, Spectre, he's doing it his way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it was a bad way or that the results were bad. The last thing I listened to before we got on to do this today was, do you remember rock and roll radio? And that wasn't by uh, accident. I want to get that jolt of that song that jumps out of your speakers to get me, you know, juiced for doing this episode about the fantastic Remote. And there you are, Phil. Wall of sound. kicking my ass.
2: Rock and Roll High School were the two songs I listened to last before we started recording as well and like I said earlier Rock and Roll High School the movie also had an impact on me cuz Me
0: too. Yeah.
2: It was pretty damn funny and it just was different.
0: If you were a fan of the music already it gave you kind of like a vindication like hey they made a movie about punk rock with the Ramones in it mm-hmm. and it's part of the storyline it's not just the you know soundtrack like some of the other things that were going on and to me that said something more than making an album in a movie you know they're trying to make an impression culturally and i think they succeeded even though some of the hardcore fans gave them shit for it i don't know why <laughs> somebody's always going to give you shit for what you say marcus that is true oh so much fun music in the ride <laughs> I know. Takes us into the 1980s. in yeah. And the 1981's Pleasant Dreams. People are changing, coming, going. Oh, my. Graham, Graham Goldman. Graham Goldman. Yeah. From 10cc. He's the producer on this album. Different feel, right?
2: Very different feel. And a song that has a lot of anger towards. uh brother in the band is on this album the kkk took my baby away
0: i'll tell you what things always change in bands right johnny's still on guitar on the next album and Marky's playing the drums but he's about to exit this is the album subterranean jungle that we're talking about it's one of those points where the lineups about to juggle and change people are coming and going and the music is what it's really all about when you get right down to it and um I'm guessing that, generally speaking, people were thinking an album half made up of cover songs wasn't really what they were expecting from the Ramones. I would say that the album Beat Expectations and definitely not one of my favorites.
2: They did a covers-influenced album before it was hip to do a covers-influenced album. True
0: that. (laughs) Still, Too Tough to Die in 1984, well, starts to change that a little bit.
2: Tommy Ramones back working with the band again. He and Ed Stasian produced the record, so you have people who understand the band, working with the band.
0: And when you think about it, they've now established quite a nice group of songs to pick from. And, you know, you only got to pick 24 songs out each night. You go out, you put together a good set list. As the new albums were coming out, they'd be working the new stuff in and then, you know, of course, filling it in with all the songs they had back to the debut. You kind of have your own thing going right there with that, and that's the momentum that keeps them going, even if the albums aren't selling like, you know, they did a couple of years ago. Everybody goes through it.
2: Yep, and when they did the reissue in 2002, one of the gems that came out of those sessions from the Two Deaf To Die record Recordings was a cover of the Rolling Stones' "Street Fighting Man."
0: The next album is 1986's "Animal Boy." I didn't really listen to it much.
2: Yeah, I didn't listen to it either, very much at all. Music taste was changing at the time. It was,
0: I think so. Me too. And I wasn't in tune to it. And they were using some different promoters, more like alternative guys. Yeah. And they come back in 1987 with "Halfway to Sanity," and I'm not sure. Which way they were, halfway to it or halfway from it? Because some of the songs are stronger.
2: It got panned pretty hard by critics.
0: Richie Ramone is on the drums and Debbie Harry singing back up on Go Lil Camaro Go brain drain marcus i go through brain drain regularly you know where life just like sucks the energy out of you you know and all of a sudden you're sitting there going wait a minute i feel like a shallow hole but
2: one song came out of this record
0: oh you're talking about the brain drain album came out in
2: 1989 yes i'm talking about the brain drain album and that was pet cemetery the song they did for the uh, stephen king movie based on the book of the same name
1: Nobody knows I don't want to be buried In a big cemetery
0: probably the coolest thing they did in that period they put them in front of a lot of people and uh that's all it was part of it because it was part of the identity of the marketing of the movie goodbye them right
2: absolutely and it recaptured that older ramones vibe from the early days really I well
0: agree. marcus merry christmas I don't want to fight tonight. That's on there, too. Ooh. The, the enduring Ramon's Christmas holiday treat.
2: You'll hear it all over rock radio as we get closer to Christmas. Merry Christmas.
0: Hey, two minutes past Thanksgiving. Here we go. <laughs> there are stations, man, that are just raring and ready to go yeah. everywhere you look.
1: I you got that okay. right.
0: I'll stick to my CD stacks in my own rotation for most of it. Thank you very much. Yep. For the holiday stuff, you know. Mondo Bizarro from the Ramones, September 1992. As the world has gone grungy and crunchy and all kinds of things, they're just being the Ramones. And they're getting shit from the PMRC, just like Ozzy and Priest and everybody else. I would love mm-hmm. seeing that they were like, you know, middle finger extended in response, right?
2: Totally, of course. That's the punk rock thing to do.
0: And the material starts to go back towards that punk thing the job that ate my brain (laughs) (laughs) cabbies on crack or heidi is a head case these are the kind of titles you might hear on the early albums and here they are on 1992's Mondo bizarro (laughs) they followed that up in 93 with acid eaters and it's cover songs by the ramones
2: i know they did uh the amboy dukes the who (laughs) they did Jefferson Airplane, the Animals, Bob Dylan, Credence, the, the Trogs, Jan and, Jan and
0: Dean. Dean. Wait a minute, Coke. This is uncharted territory for those boys from the Lower East Side, the Ramones.
2: <laughs>
0: and then, sensing pending disaster, they put dinosaurs on the cover and call it Adios Amigos, basically their retirement album. Yep. Turns out to be, right?
2: couple of covers on there as well. Tom Waits, Johnny Thunders. And they
0: close with Born to Die in Berlin. Kind of a poetic, funny thing there at the end. Boom! All good, man. That's the album with CJ on the bass. And
2: And also, when they did the Saturday Morning Cartoon album cover of Spider-Man, it came out of those sessions as well.
0: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that, but that was really good. right. Spider-Man, Spider-Man good stuff does whatever a spider can man joey did a solo record and it was during my time when i was working at sanctuary and cmc and it was just as i was kind of pulling away from things came out posthumously and uh, the project was being set up during my time when i was shifting away from new york after 9-11 and moving back towards Philly and MMR and radio. And from it came his version of what a wonderful world it would be, which has stood the test of time. The song itself is immortal, but Joey's version really now is the flag bearer for that song in the 21st century, if you think about it. So that's the lasting impression of the Ramones for me. You know, that short time when we were associated, never met him or anything like that. He was too sick, I think, at the end. But what they gave us, Marcus, what they gave both of us,
2: What they gave the world is incredible. And they impacted and inspired many bands moving forward, many musicians, many kids just to be themselves and not give a fuck what other people think. And I think that's one of the great, great messages that came out of the Ramones and their music.
0: If you're one of those people who was initially affected because you were the right age in 77, or you picked up on them a few years later when you were that right age, like Marcus, right? Yep. We want to hear from you about your Ramones moments, things you loved about the band, things you still love about the band, and the things that you've taken away from it with you as you move on. Because now that we're known as Ringo Ramone and Hilly Ramone, we have to take more of a vested interest in these things here <laughs> on the podcast, bro. So make sure you email us at imbalancedhistory at gmail.com. If you are Ramones feedback and be kind, even though it's punk rock.
2: Make sure you follow us on social media platforms on The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And again, share your memories. We love hearing memories about rock and roll that you share because we all have this rock and roll thing in common. And we're sharing ours with you, so please share with us
0: brought to you by boldfoot socks and crooked eye brewery on the pantheon podcast network till the next time that we get together in the dark duck media studios i'm ray hilly ramon Coob.
2: i'm marcus ringo ramon goldman
0: and this is the Ramones imbalanced history
2: of rock and roll